purpose is transforming the world of work and business. Those leading the way are values-based and people-focused leaders who see business as a force for good. Host Kevin Monroe explores how tapping into the power of purpose infuses your business with meaning and touches the lives of your employees while positively impacting the communities you serve. With the Higher Purpose Podcast, here's Kevin Monroe. You've tuned into the Higher Purpose Podcast, and I'm your host, Kevin Monroe. And you know, it's just a joy, truly is a joy for me to engage with you in these conversations. And I do think of them as conversations. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me into your world. And thanks for entering mine. Oh, some things have happened since we were together last. And they will provide the substance for an upcoming solo episode. But today, we're fortunate to have another guest joining us. And and once again, I want to thank my podcasting pal from across the pond, Gary Turner, for connecting me with today's guest. You know, I actually thought David McGlennon lived in the UK. And it was as we started having some conversations a couple of weeks ago, I found out he doesn't, even though it sounds like he could be from Scotland, right? Uh, McGlennon. Uh, But David lives in Pittsburgh, and it's kind of funny that my conversation with David is airing following my conversation with Devin Halliday, both of whom live in Pittsburgh, didn't know one another, and a couple of weeks ago ended up sitting beside one another, virtually sitting, in a Zoom room in a call I was hosting. It was just funny. So anyway, I've gotten to know David through the Gratitude Challenge, some small, um, small world conversations he and I have had. And it is a joy to welcome David to the Higher Purpose Podcast today. It's another rich conversation that that occurs at the intersection of purpose, culture, and leadership. So let's get to it. Welcome, David McLennan, to the Higher Purpose Podcast. It's just a joy to have you join me today. Hey, thanks so much, Kevin. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and I'm honored. So, folks, what, what, what you may get a feel for, but David and I have, um, we just wrapped up where I was a guest on his podcast, and we're doing these back-to-back. I, I don't think I've ever done that before. I've been on other people's podcasts, but we never recorded those kind of batch like this. So, David and I are pretty well amped up and ready to go. <laughs> we are. <laughs> before we do that, uh, this has been a fun fun time we've had together. Where do people go to hear and see the conversation we had because folks, you can actually see it. Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is on YouTube right now. So just go to youtube.com. I think it's slash David McGlennon. So uh, just just look me up there and the podcast will be up there. Be the leader podcast. So. Okay. And we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes here if you want to go do that. But so David, you, you know this because you joined us for the gratitude challenge. Uh, I always begin the conversation with gratitude. I, I just find it so enriches the conversation to ground it in gratitude. So what is something that you're grateful for in this moment? So the, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, the thing that I wrote about this morning in my gratitude journal. And, and that is that every morning that I get a chance to watch the sunrise, especially as I, I live in Pittsburgh. So 
a clear sky in Pittsburgh is not often. <laughs> so um, like our friends in the UK, it tends to be a, a little bit uh, overcast at times. Uh, but every time I get to see the sunrise on a crystal cl clear blue sky day is an amazing um, experience for me because it actually allows me to recognize the rhythms of life, the beauty of life, the stillness, but yet also the hope of the day. And so um, for that, I am incredibly grateful. Any day that I can wake up and, and have a, a sunrise that I can see, man, I'm so grateful for it. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. So that, 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 um, and you that listen to this podcast regularly know that, that me, your host has a, temptation and that is to follow every bunny trail that that presents itself but i am going to follow one of those but before we do that you mentioned the uk and it's kind of funny uh i, I want to give a shout out because it is our mutual friend gary turner yes connected us and david when we first connected i thought you lived in the uk <laughs> <laughs> no i do not <laughs> so Gary, thanks for that introduction. But, but the bunny trail that you, you, the other one I heard, let's talk about the rhythm of life. Yeah. What does that look like for you? And, and when you, uh, because there is, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name, but there's a book out there, The Rhythms of Life. Uh, and it, it's a book I read and enjoyed. So talk about the rhythm of life, what that means. Yeah, you know, so I guess it's probably because I've, I've lived a few years <laughs> that I'm beginning to recognize there's the seasonality of life and the, there are rhythms and, and, and um, uh, I guess, yeah, just seasons. That's the word that I keep coming back to, seasons of life. And um, my wife and I are in a new season of our life. We've been married 30 years and we, our last child just graduated uh, high school. And so we're in this this new season where um, we don't have any kids going back to school this fall, and we've got another, we've got two of them that are engaged. One that's going to get married next year, and and one two years from now, and and so that idea of seasonality um, for me, and and rhythms of life is just going with. You know, sometimes just like the, the regular seasons, like the, 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 the seasons that we experience of, of summer and fall and winter, there's a, there's a time when we have to prepare. Mm -hmm. So that, that springtime is, is when we're preparing, we're preparing the ground, we're planting seeds and getting ready to, to you know, have a, a great crop. And, and, and the summertime is, is that time when, you know, we can, we can just be blooming and, and be in our fullness. And that fall is like, okay, this is the closing of another season and, and, and coming to an end and preparing for that winter where we actually go deep and we actually grow. And so for me, um, I, I, I've seen that in my own life that there are seasons where I do that, you know? And, and so, um, that's, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's how I see seasons and, and, and rhythms of life and, and even in the daily life as well. So there's a daily rhythm. And, and, and so I could go into that. I could talk for, for a long time on, on the daily rhythm of life too. I don't know if we'll go that deep there. The book is Matthew Kelly, the rhythm of life is the book. If you, if you're interested in that, you listening, uh, but yeah, I, I love this whole concept of rhythm, of, of the seasons of life, the seasons of the year. But I do want to uh, uh, just mention, there, there's a rhythm to the day. Uh, 
Absolutely. And for me, it's really important to recognize the rhythm of the day. And I guess the the comment I would make, David, something that I uh, discovered a few years back, right, is that when I, I used to think when I woke up, it was up for me to start the day. Well, now I recognize that the day's already been started and, and I seek to try to join the rhythm of the day that's already in motion. So that's just the, the thought that I'd like to plant there for you listening is just think about, hey, the, 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 these rhythms of life, they're there, but there's also a rhythm of the day. And, and when we find and follow the flow of that rhythm, man, it, it's just a beautiful thing. So Absolutely. that's the bonus content for this episode. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so we're, we're going to have this conversation, but before we go into this, we, we've already had this background of rhythm. Is there other, something else that you would, uh, well, and let me say this, hey, congratulations on entering that empty nester season of life. <laughs> well, they're, they're not completely gone yet, but, 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 but you can see it. But I can see it coming. Yeah, for sure. Change of school and all of that. Yeah. So it is yeah. it's a season of life. Uh, yeah, for sure. But, but is there something else you'd like us to know about you that creates the context for, mm. for the conversation we're about to enter into? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, a great context to start with is, is my children and my family. Um, I'm a f- uh, father of five, and um, uh, I, family is, is an incredibly important value of mine. And um, I, I, I think that it was the... Um, the, the, the turning point for me to um, where I am in my career now uh, and the reason why I'm, I am doing what I'm doing. And so I think that context may at least lay the, the, the lens or the framework that I'm coming from. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll talk more about that here in a little bit too. Okay. So yeah, the, the work you're doing, uh, you identify as a high performance culture coach. Is that the, the, I do. Yeah, I do. Multiple ways we could identify ourselves, but that's one, sure. right? Yeah, just one way. Yeah, absolutely. So, what does that mean? Yeah. So, in every culture, in every organization, um, there are uh, success behaviors, success behaviors that lead to high performance. And it's my view that high performance and being people centered are not mutually exclusive because um, when when we get the best out of people, when we see them right reaching for their fullest potential, we we actually um, are helping them and and developing them. So I help organizations to be able to integrate the how do you do that kind of part. You know, in in business school, I don't care what business school you go to, I have never seen a a class on culture. Like how do you you actually create a culture? And so my my thinking is, is that there has to be a systematic way to do this and there has to be a process to do that. So that's what I do. I, I, I help organizations to be able to integrate and know how to be very intentional about their culture because what I've seen in world-class organizations is that they're very intentional about their culture. They're very intentional about how they lead their culture um, and, and they, they're very intentional about how they design their culture. So I, I always say that a, you know, a, a world-class company, or let me rephrase it this way, a good company has a good culture by default. 
but a world-class company has a world-class culture by design. Absolutely. I love that distinction and have, have used something similar to that uh, myself because it is. Okay, a couple of distinctions here that I want to explore. Um, and I'm just pausing to think the order. Okay, let's start with this one. What is culture? Right, because the, here we could have a whole conversation and use the word culture, and everyone listening think we're talking about something else because of the way they've experienced culture. So let, yeah. let's kind of start with the fundamental block. What is culture? Yeah. yeah so the way I, I explain culture and the way I view it, it's really the behaviors of the organization. It, it gets down to the behaviors because, and, and I. I have nothing against values. I, I think the values are great and, you know, putting the values on the wall, that's, that's great too. But what we actually um, have and what we actually see as behaviors within the organization, that's really the culture. That's, that, the, the values could, could espouse one thing, but we may allow other behaviors. So, so culture is really what is either desired and led intentionally or what is allowed. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful distinction. So say that again because somebody needs to tweet that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will. No, I'll, I'll, so say that again. Yeah, so so the real distinction between uh values and 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 behavior, well, culture is really behaviors. I mean, at the end of the day, it's what do we see? This is the way we do things. Well, the way we do things, that's an action, that's a verb, and it's a behavior. So that is that that really is culture. Yeah. The way we do things and then add a work here, that is your yeah. organization's culture or your team's culture or your department's culture. Yes. I and I'm not seeking to take you to task, but I would just <laughs> to be a yes and to that. You know, values mean a lot to me. Sure. And I would say in world-class cultures, those behaviors are linked to values and the values come to life in and through the behaviors because the behaviors are, are rooted and grounded in something. Exactly, yeah. Right, yeah. But, but if you have values that do not translate into behaviors, then the, then the real question is, do you have values? Because no, you don't. Exactly. Yeah, totally agree, Kevin. Okay. Uh, so why, okay, so we've already, we, we've kind of talked about what culture is. So a couple of other things to, to unpack here that you've already said. So every, every organization on the planet, everyone listening that is part of an organization or a team, is it a true statement that their team, company, or organization has a culture? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah so everybody yeah. has a culture. Yep. The point you made earlier is you can either have culture by default or design. Yep. What's the difference and why does it matter? Yeah, I think it the, the difference is that by default you're just letting it happen. It's just it, and and what happens in most organizations, groups, think of any organization that you're a part of. Could be a church organization, could be a golf club, it could be a, a, you know, a card club, it could be your team at work. Any group of people has a culture, as we just discussed, and it generally is influenced and, and, and created by the person who has the most, the strongest personality. 
Sometimes it's the, what we call the alpha person, the personality. It's that, that, that person that's maybe the hard driver. And, and so they're going to set the tone. They're going to set the behavior levels. They're going to, they're going to say, Hey, this is allowed. And this isn't, this isn't allowed. And this is funny. This isn't funny. And so those are the people that, that allow that. Now, if we're talking about organizational culture, that could be someone who is a cynical jerk that you don't want uh, leading your culture, or it could be someone who is really a, a, a beautiful presence. And so the difference then is just allowing it to happen by, by virtue of the strongest personality or designing it and leading it so that it actually has a purpose for the business and for the organization. That's, that's the distinction. Okay. Uh so a question here, and this is a question I, I've asked before. I always love asking this question, and I love it when I'm asked. Uh, there, there are both formal and informal ways to assess culture. Well, we, we may get into that. But how long, when you first encounter an organization, David, how long is it before you have some initial sense of that culture? Oh, I mean, as soon as you walk in the door. I mean, you can, you know you walk in the door of any organization, you're going to have, you're going to feel it. I mean, depending on what happens with the person that you meet initially, and, and that's just it. It's the people. It's the people who drive the culture. So it's, it's immediate. Okay. And when you walk into some place and that first impression is, oh my gosh, you know, there's something different here. That didn't happen by accident. Right. Is that right. what you're saying? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It did not happen by accident. It was, it was a leader or a team of leaders who said that this is important to us. We want to we build this in a way that's very intentional, and we want it to be a place that attracts the right kind of people to our organization so that we can carry out our mission. Okay. So, You've talked about, you, you've used two different words and I've used them both phrases, high performing or world class. I mean, I love both of those words. What is it that gives you an initial indication that this place, this organization, this room, I mean, gosh, folks, fill in the blank. It can be the restaurant. It can be a store. It can be a uh an airline, you're, you're, you're walking up to the airline, it can be a hotel, you know, any of these encounters that you have, what, what are the things that you uh, see that are signs and symbols of high performance or world class? So, as I think about it, um, the things that I see are rhythms and disciplines and, and, and processes. And sometimes we might think that processes and people's people are, are are mutually exclusive, but but really, it's the people. And actually, going back to a, the, how we started our conversation, it's the rhythms in a business, it's the attention to detail, it's it's being very purposeful in in everything people do. Um, it, it's sometimes it's a feeling, and I know that's hard for some people to grasp, but. If you walk up to uh, an airline counter and that person behind the counter has a big smile and, and actually acts, acts like they want to help you and they want to talk with you, that is a different feeling 
than somebody just saying next and, and having their head down. Um, so it's the paying attention to details and it's, it's actually going the extra mile. I have a, 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 a sign on my wall here uh, that says play like a champion today. And so I, I think of playing like a champion in, in terms of doing the things that matter most to people on a daily basis over and over and over again, no matter how boring it gets, but playing like a champion is doing the things that get to be a you know, world-class level. And so um, that's, that's, I, I think that's my, my, my thoughts on, you know, how you um, distinguish that world-class organization. They pay attention to details. They do the things, the disciplines that are necessary to be able to, uh, to, to be a high performer. Yeah. And if, if I could uh, just add into that, I love the, the, the phrase you wrote and you listening, you'll see or hear this again, play like a champion, do the things that matter most day after day. I would just, you know, comma, big or little. Absolutely. Right. Because some, some organizations, they really focus on the big things and we, we just got to get the big things right. Well, how do you get the big things right? You get those small things right. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, it's all these yeah. little things. Yeah. And, and, and it's world-class organizations do the big and the little well. No doubt about it. The organization struggling to be world class, they're just, they're, they're aiming to get the big things right and they're stumbling over the little things and they don't understand we'll never get the big things right because we don't get the little things right. Right. Absolutely. So what are some of those little things that, that whether you look at an organization you've encountered as a client, whether you've looked at an organization that you've served, um, through your business, what, what, what are some little things you've seen? Because here's what I believe. Little things matter most. And we never have the, the insight, the knowledge to know what little thing is going to matter most to whom, when. Right. So it's just this cumulative uh, result of doing the little things that makes you a champion, world class. So what yeah. are some of those things you've noticed or that you coach and help people go, Oh, and then it does become a ripple. Yeah. Well, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the, the companies that I've seen that are, are very intentional take the time to step back from the business for just a moment and actually think about and define what are the behaviors that are going to lead to our success. What are those little things? What, what, makes, us, what makes us great or what would make us great? And oftentimes I will um, sit in a, a senior leadership meeting and, 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 and ask the question, who is it in your organization that if you had the ability, you could clone that person? And, and you know, er, everybody kind of laughs and I, I, you know, I'll say, you know, okay, think about that, that person. But now think about what is it that they do? What are those things that are on a small daily basis? You know, what are the, the actions that they take? And, and, and so I think the first thing that, that um, any organization has to do if they're going to pay attention to this is to step back and, and really define what it looks like to, to them to, to, to be world-class. What are the small behaviors that make a difference? Hmm. Okay. So 
you've used several of my favorite words. Hey, I'm, how about that? I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, I, I want to, well, one of them you did know. Uh, you you okay. had to know the, the purpose word. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this intersection of people, purpose, culture, performance. Mm -hmm. Just riff on that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I think, and, and this is probably something that I've, um, I've evolved to in my thinking about this because as a young man, I, I, I don't believe that I really focused on people and purpose because it was, it was just like, let's just get the job done. I was pretty a hard driver, but I think as I've uh, grown and, and, and in my thinking and grown in my own awareness, um, I really feel like in order to be able to um, have people to perform at their best, and, and, and most people, they, they want to do that. They want to they perform at their best. They want to, to do their best. Um, we have to be able to align them with their purpose. And sometimes they may be in an organization and they may, they may, they may not fit. They may not fit in that organization and it would be best for them to go to a different organization. Totally get that. Sometimes though, they're in an organization that they've got skills, they've got abilities, they've got potential and they're just misaligned. So having some, some way to be able to um, explore their own purpose and give them um, the tools to be able to explore that purpose that is the best uh, way to be able to help individuals and develop into individuals that will perform their best and when, when they're aligned with their purpose. Uh, those are just some thoughts that, that come to my mind, you know, right away, Kevin. Okay. Yeah. I, I, and I'm in agreement with you there, David, you know, that, that uh, organizations benefit when they know their purpose People benefit when they know their purpose and when there is that integration and alignment. And you may have a great personal purpose, but just be in the wrong slot or maybe even in the wrong organization. And it's best right. for everybody involved to, to move and, and get rightly aligned. Um, do you ever get invited in to fix a culture? <laughs> um. Yes, I get invited in. Um, generally, those are the, the, the engagements that I don't take. <laughs> because honestly, if a leader isn't going to take responsibility for their culture, um, there's nothing that I can do. It, because it, if the culture is quote unquote toxic, then it's the leader and the leadership's fault. Um, because they've allowed those behaviors to to transpire. So I can tell an awful lot about a company and their culture and their leadership um, by just what what behaviors are allowed to, to to transpire. I mean, if 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 there's a lot of gossip, if there's a lot of drama, and that's allowed, mm -hmm. then that's the leader's fault. It's on the leader. So now that being said. There are times when a leader is, you know, inviting me in and, and asking me to fix this culture, but I have to hold up a mirror and say, let's, let's start with you first and let's go from there. Because I think sometimes we get the cart before the horse. So um, that hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, well, I mean, no, there are times, right? First off, yeah, yeah. I'm not real sure you fix cultures, anybody, but that yeah, is the right. request people ask, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and like you, 
um, now I know to, to have a different conversation. I think a couple of times I was really excited because of the, the name or the, the uh, prominence of that organization. Oh, wow, if we could help them. Yeah. And then when you find out, oh, no, it, it, it is broken beyond repair. And I hate to say this, but we do need to hold up the mirror. And you are the problem. And unless you're willing to change, nothing's changing here. Right. Uh, so, but, so most of the folks, let, let, let me just ask, is this a fair question? Are most of the folks that are inviting you in already attuned to culture and just want to they're, they're not so much in the fix it. I mean, you, every once in a while we get those folks that want to fix it. We, we, we seek to learn those signs and, and run fast. Uh, but we, when you get involved, right, more of them are on the journey and just want to go to a deeper level. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So what are some of those questions you ask in the initial conversations with leaders that kind of help you? I mean, we already talked about how you get a feel right away. Mm -hmm. uh, so then you, okay, so you've, you've had that great encounter in the waiting room or the lobby. Now you're back in the office. Well, what's that conversation? How does that start? Or what, what are some of the options? I'm not, cause I don't believe there's just one path, right? It's not like, yeah. Oh, here's my first question always, but what might that right. sound like, David? Yeah. So it, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to quote you, it depends. <laughs> well, um, it comes from the other podcast, which we're going to tell it you. It does. It does. Listen to that one. Yeah, it does. Uh, so it depends. I mean, it depends on what I know about the company, how I'm getting in there, uh, where I, I, I take my question. Um, I, I usually want to start out by asking, you know, what got them to this point? Where, where are they in their journey and what do they want to see? And what's the, you know, starting with the end in mind, you know, I think it's Stephen Covey that says, begin with the end in mind. And so what's your desired outcome? You know, it, it, as you take a look at your culture today, what is it that you're wanting? Some some organizations, they are wanting to um, transfer the legacy of a good culture to the next generation or beyond the, the, the initial leader's um, uh, tenure. Um, there's a lot of companies that were started by a very charismatic leader, and yet they don't know how to institutionalize that, that culture. In other words, they don't know how to be able to to, to put words to it, to be able to then perpetuate it. I hear you laughing, so well, that's great. I mean, we had those same conversations. I didn't know we, we had so much similarity there. Yeah, <laughs> laughing, right? Some of these companies, and you listening may be one of these. Yeah. You have an amazing culture, and somebody goes, well, how'd you get it? And you go, uh, I don't know. Exactly, exactly. And how do you explain it to someone else? You go, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But, but everybody knows it's amazing, right? right? So when that's happening, I look back and I think, wow, this leader was really gifted to do this because those things we're gifted to do, we, we often can't deconstruct and explain to someone else. Right. But if you want to sustain and perpetuate a culture, somebody needs to <laughs> be able to identify those elements and then mm -hmm. help deconstruct and go, okay, uh, here are the behaviors. And, and then like I say, for me, I'd be, and here are the values that influence and 
and encourage these behaviors, but here's what we're going to coach. And here are the things we want to see replicated. And then people go, oh, yeah, that's what we do. We just mm-hmm. never really thought about it enough to yeah. explain it. Yeah, exactly. And I think just the process of actually codifying it and actually delineating it and defining what those are, that has the element of being able to then say, okay, now if I want to, if, if, if practicing blameless problem solving is a, is a key, what I call fundamental, a fundamental behavior, then let's take that and let's start talking about that. Let's, let's ask questions about it. Let's, let's show people uh, how to do that. Let's give feedback. Let's, let's teach it. And, and so that's the thing that I think is so beautiful about actually stepping back and, and, and taking some time to be very intentional about deconstructing, as you said, and, and defining um, what those key behaviors are. Hmm. Okay. So David, I, I either heard you say this or read where you had written this, that, that I believe these world-class companies are best companies and leaders. They have an intention to develop their people. Yes. Yes. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. What's the connection between developing people and world-class culture? Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it, it's interesting because the, the the organizations that I've worked with, I, I, I truly have been blessed. Talk about gratitude. I've been blessed because I've been able to work with companies where the leaders get it. And and it and, and what I mean by that is that, uh, as a matter of fact, I have one client that comes to my mind. It's a CEO who who's you know, came from um, the, the the finance side of the of the of the house, so to speak, or the finance side of the business. And rose to become president, now CEO, and and it's it's been an evolution for him. But he's he's come to this place where he recognizes that, oh my goodness, if I develop my people, and if I help them to grow, that that means they're going to be able to bring all of their skills, all of their talents to the business, so that we can mutually benefit. They, they're, they're fulfilled. We're fulfilled. And so um, I really believe that developing people is, is the groundwork for a, a culture that is, is magnetizing. Um, you, know, you know, one of my companies uh, actually, uh, we started a, an emerging leader uh, program and it's expanded outside of just that company because of one uh, vision for, uh, for, for their people and for their team to be able to say, hey, we need to develop our bench strength. We need to be able to develop our people, not just our executive leaders and, and, and not just our, our VPs, but we need to develop um, uh, you know, our, our frontline managers, our, our, our supervisors, and, and quite frankly, even the people that are running the, the printing press. So um, developing people and developing your culture I mean, they're intertwined, they're integrated. They, it's, it just goes hand in hand. Okay. Uh, what does it look like to develop people? How does that happen? And then I got yeah. another one, but I, I, I won't yeah. look too many all at once here. Yeah, man, you're, 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 hitting, you're, you're throwing fastballs right down the center, man. <laughs> uh, oh, and you're hitting them. Oh, yeah, man. I, I love it. Um, so, yeah, developing people is uh, an interesting process. Um, it really is giving them an opportunity to to first and foremost see their full potential and and having somebody believe in them 
and, and then say, you know what, I, I see more in you. And that, that's the thing about leaders. Leaders, you know, one of my mentors is John Maxwell, and he says, you know, leaders see more and they see it before other people do. Right. And so if, if there is a leader within an organization that says to another individual, hey, I see more in you, I know you have it in you, that it, it, it helps to unlock their, their potential. And, and I think just by virtue of um, having someone believe in you yeah. helps that individual to recognize um, that they can grow and they can, they can develop and they can evolve. And, and, and um, so developing people is really about first and foremost, sh- showing people that they can develop and, and, and showing people that they can grow, um, that they're not stuck. And now, is that to say that everybody's going to grow? Nope. You know, just like uh, I think it was uh, Carol, Dr. Carol Dweck had, wrote a book on mindset, and there's a there's there's two two uh, mindsets that she identified: a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And so sometimes you run into these people that are fixed mindsets, and they don't change, and they're not they're they're not willing to change. And so um, I tend to focus on the people that do have the growth mindset, that want to change, that once they see their potential, they're willing to to go outside of their comfort zone and 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 really build into themselves. Mm. Okay. A question I've been asked before, and I know what my answer is. I'm just curious about yours. And, and I think I have some feeling for that, David. Um, do you have to have a big budget to develop people? <laughs> no, you really don't. I mean, honestly, um, I've, had, I've had organizations where I just recommended, hey, why don't you guys just like read a book together? Why don't you read a leadership book and then do a, like a, a study on it? Ask yourself some questions about each chapter and, and, and facilitate a, what I'll call like a, a mini mastermind. You know, you, you don't have to have any money to do that. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, yeah. So you can have formal people development that right. is budgeted and, and funded. Yep. That's... Uh, and I think it was a few years ago during the last downturn when there were folks saying to me, well, we want to develop our people, but the funding was cut. And I'm just kind of like, really? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so, Hey, it's, it's fun when there's funding for developing people, but people development is not tied to a big budget or a formal program. Uh, and some of the best development of people happens just organically yeah. organically yeah absolutely absolutely well and, and i'd like to even take off on that for just a second kevin because i think that the companies who do quote cut cut their budget you know for people development i think it's just like cutting their marketing budget you know in a downturn you, you can't stop marketing right i mean it's not smart well same thing's true with their people. If you stop developing your people in a downturn, then you're, you're, you're cutting yourself, you're shooting yourself in your foot. So uh, that's, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox for a second, but I, but I, but I get it. I mean, in, in all organizations, there are times when you just have to like, you figure out how to make it and how to do the right thing. So um, yeah. So in this era that we, we live in, Right, so uh, we are recording this late August, and just last week, the Business Roundtable issued a statement that was a pretty provocative and and pretty far-reaching statement that that was redefining the purpose of a corporation to be from serving only the shareholders to serving the stakeholders. So in this 
environment where a lot of people are beginning to think differently uh, about business, think differently about the, the connection that some of you listening uh, and some of the people we serve, David, they already get that. But for folks that are just beginning to kind of think, oh, wow, how do we think differently about these topics we've talked about, purpose, people, culture, performance? Talk to them a minute. Help them take a next step on that journey. Folks that are very early in that journey, what, what would you say to help direct them? I, I think first, I would just say keep an open mind and, and, and allow, be aware of what comes up within you when you start hearing the, these ideas, these ideas about focusing on all of the stakeholders, which quite frankly, are the people of an organization. I mean, companies are people. That's just all they are. They're, they're people. So first thing I would say is keep an open mind. And, and also then recognize then sometimes when we get triggered, when we, when we, when we think, oh, gosh, that's not true. Or that's a, that's a, that's a, a long-held belief and a deeply held belief. And so sometimes I think we have to challenge our beliefs. And so we have to say, really, is this true? Is this true about business? Do I have to only look at the, the, the shareholder? Or can I really look at serving all of the stakeholders? So, so I would say that those are probably the first two things uh, for me that come up because I, I mean, I know that anytime that I've gone through a, a change or a change in mindset, I have to stay open to say, what are the possibilities? Is this true? And then recognize what's coming up for me. If I'm, if I'm being um, agitated or, or I'm thinking that's not true or I'm, I'm feeling some resistance, I got to explore that a little bit more because when I explore that a little bit more, that's a belief. And so I have to maybe say, okay, what is it about this that I hold as a belief? So I, I think that's the first place to start, Kevin. I mean, I think that just in an individual leader's perspective, we have to explore, keep, keep our own, uh, our minds open, mm-hmm. you know, and explore then our own sense of, of, of beliefs. Okay. And to an organization that's already on the path of world class, what do you say to encourage them to continue and, and not become complacent and go, well, well, first off, let me ask, because I, I, there's kind of an assumption in there that may be wrong. Uh, when you, is there ever a point of arrival at world class and you're done? I don't think so. <laughs> I oh. think, yeah, I think the world class organizations that I've seen and, and know, they're, they're constantly improving. They want to continue to get better, continue to better. I mean, I, I always think of, you know, going back to playing like a champion. How does a champion play? They always want to continue to get better. They look at the, they, they look at the, you know, in the, in, in sports terms, they look at the film, even when they, you know, win a Super Bowl or, or win a, uh, you know, a championship, they're looking at the film. What can we do better? How could we execute better? So yeah, I don't think there's an arrival point. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't think so, but I, I you know, I, I didn't want to be accused of leading the witness. So, <laughs> so for coach, those that are on the journey and, and see, you know, that, that they're making progress. What yeah. do you say to them to, to just fan that flame yeah. and encourage them? Tell the world. I mean, amplify your message. Uh, I was just with, uh, I, I had uh, coffee with a, a gentleman that I was introduced to uh, yesterday. And um, 
he was talking about his culture and how his leadership is very intentional about their culture. And I, I think that's a gem. That's a hidden gem. I didn't know about it. I didn't know about this company. So amplify your message, put it out on LinkedIn, put it out on social media, you know, have your people blog about it. Just continue to, to, to amplify your message. I know nobody's perfect, but when, when we amplify our message that when we're on our way, it tells, as an early adopter, it tells the, the next wave of, of adoption of, of, of this uh, people-centered um, focus to, that it's okay that you know you can do it and 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 that there are others doing it too. So I would just say that you know amplify your message, get it out there, share share the things that you're doing, share share the ways that you're being and that I think is probably the biggest thing that I would recommend for anybody that's on their way and um is part of this journey. Okay, so a phrase just just popped in my mind, but you can tell your story without tooting your horn. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Tell your yeah. story. We're not saying get out there and go, hey, we got it all right. Right. But tell no. your story. Uh, talk about some of the challenges you've had on the journey. But recognize, because I know there's some people when, when we tell them to tell others, they're like, oh, you're telling me to toot my horn. You know, and, yeah. and you're telling me to brag on who we are. Like, mm, there's a difference. Right. There is a difference. Yeah, there, there's a difference. And sometimes you can have other people tell it for you. You know, quite frankly, uh, have other people tell it for you. I mean, that's a, that's a great way. It's a great strategy. Absolutely. So, David, you know, wh what is it that you'd like to use to tie a bow and bring this conversation to a fitting close for now? So, I, I, I've used this word an awful lot in this conversation, and I, I recognize this, but it's, it's, a, it's a word that I believe... Um, is, is where I'm at in my season and rhythm as we kind of come full circle to the seasons and rhythms. And that's being intentional. Um, I, I would say to any leader of an organization and in an organization, be intentional, uh, be very purposeful and, and, and really help align your people with your purpose of the organization. I, 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 I think that that's the biggest thing that I would, I would say, because why just drift through and, and drift through um, life in, in your company? It's too short. And, and if we're on purpose, then we're going to serve and we're going to impact more people and more lives. And so isn't that what it's really about? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So thanks for sharing that. And, and David, for people that are just wanting to reach out, to connect with you, to engage in conversation. Where do they go? How do they do that? You know, honestly, the best place is, is LinkedIn. Um, uh, feel free to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I love have com having conversations. Um, you know, my, uh, my, my, uh, I, I respond best to people who will actually, you know, say something about how we're connected, perhaps. I, I love that little conversation. And, and so reach out to me there. Uh, you could also, you know, shoot me an email if you wanted to, david at davidmclennan.com. Um, but, but LinkedIn is probably the best place to catch me. All right. Well, there you have it. And, and that's how David and I connected was it through is. LinkedIn. And then we had one of those conversations and that conversation led to us having two podcast conversations today. So thank you, David. Thanks for joining me here. And oh, thank you. To this, this conversation about what it means to live, love and lead with purpose. Totally my pleasure, Kevin. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for inviting me. Appreciate it.
Wow, David, thanks. I appreciate you joining. And, and David and I spent two hours in conversations. I was with him for his podcast, then he was with me for mine. So we've spent a lot of time together today in this conversation. And maybe some of the things that wander in my mind between the two, but I'll try to keep them separate. I'm wondering, I'm wondering, what's your rhythm like right now? Do you feel that you're in syncopation between work and life and the things that matter most to you in life? Or do you feel out of sync and out of sorts? And that's a really powerful and profound question to ponder. So I'd encourage you to ponder that. Then there's another point of our conversation. Some years ago, I I really took a liking to the label world class. And to me, world class involves you, your organization, becoming and being the absolute best that you can be, and then stretching a little bit more. World class is is something that you can aspire to. To that moves you out of the pack. It's not about adopting best practices. Best practices only lock you into the pack and being like your peers in the pack. But world class, or the other phrase David used, playing like a champion, means doing the things that matter most day after day after day and not getting weary of doing them. And then the other part of the conversation that I enjoyed so much was, as I always do, a conversation about values and behaviors. And I love the question David asked, who is the person who excels at personifying your values and behaviors in your organization? You want to engage that person in conversation and and discover what it is that inspires and fuels them to lead the way they lead or work the way they work. Hey, thanks for joining today. You know, or I hope you know, my door is always open to you. You can contact me by email. Drop me a line at kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com or pick up the phone and call me, 678-744-5111. Hey, until we connect again next time, and it's going to be another great conversation, I want to encourage you to live, love, and lead with purpose. Do you have a high-stakes initiative that is stuck, stalled out, or stymied, and you're not sure what to do now and how to forge a path forward? The situation is not as grim as you think it is. We can help. Contact Kevin to explore how a winning conversation may be exactly what you need to break the gridlock, unite your team in purpose, and accelerate traction. Call 678-744-5111 or email kevin at higherpurposepodcast.com.